all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here in a brand new year. Friends, today's Torch Report 272, we'll be talking about the art of memes and making predictions as we look forward to the year ahead and begin to expect more of the unexpected. Friends, people are crazy, uh, as we all know. <laughs> uh, God is great. Beer is good and people are crazy. Now, of all of the things that have gone on in the last year, how many of them started out as conspiracy theories? You know, when you get Dr. Jahish Jaha, Ashish Jaha out there saying, uh, you know, the COVID czar, now he's saying, oh, the masks don't work. There's no, there's no uh, studies anywhere in the world to show the masks work. Well, thank you. That was a conspiracy theory. I was taken down. I was censured. I was, you know, told to go home and shut up, uh, fired as a football coach and all this kind of stuff because I was stating that fact, that scientifically validated fact, that fact substantiated by decades of scientific evidence of the highest standards. But, you know, all of that, all of that, it was conspiracy theory. Right. And I was a conspiracy theorist, along with many of my friends. And I'm sure many, 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 if not the majority of the astute listeners here in the audience today, friends, instead of calling them conspiracy theories, maybe we should start calling them spoiler alerts. <laughs> and I, I got that idea from a meme now. A little meme there at the top of the article today. Friends, if you are listening on a podcast platform like Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, etc., please know you have to go to thetorchreport.com to get all the goodies, like this pretty spiffy little meme here. At recent conversation, in a recent conversation, I should say, a friend was linking the art of memes, a.k.a. memeology, to the art of psychological warfare. And it was a very fascinating consideration because, you know, this this emergence of memes, you know, the way that memes circulate around the Internet so much faster than, say, a, 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 the, an encyclopedic you know, definition of an issue going on. Most people are just reacting and responding to these memes and the emotional impact of an image paired with words is undeniable. And the subtleties of appearance and expression and cultural cues, you know, in the pictures and all that add even more depth to what's going on here. So I got this little meme in the, uh, in the article here. It says, when the five-year-old at the family dinner draws something stupid and everyone has to pretend like it's amazing. Yay! Oh, wow. Oh, that's so great. You know, raise your hand if you experienced something similar to that over the holidays. Probably you did. You know, if you have nieces and nephews or cousins and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, you know, we all get together and we do all kinds of silly things. Now, this picture here of the five-year-old at the dinner table drawing something stupid and everybody pretending it's like it's amazing. It actually has Joe Biden and everybody's clapping for Joe, you know? So it's funny. It's great. It's entertaining, you know? And so, you know, throwing a few memes out there and talking about how memes connect with psychological warfare, we have to acknowledge that a great many people have never even heard of a meme before, and they have no clue what a meme is or why anybody would find them amusing or frustrating or illuminating, depending on the mood and the slant of the day. You know, uh, the point here is that everyone has a different frame of reference, and ultimately, those differences in our frame of reference really do matter. And I think we can reflect on that in the uh, in the with having so many family events in the recent memory, you know, as we get together with friends and family over the holidays, you start to see how people have different frames of reference. Even people you know and love, you don't necessarily understand what makes them tick because we can't necessarily understand their frame 
hmm, excuse me, their frame of reference. Um, and in the very same way, as there are people who are unfamiliar with memes, there are a great many people who have never heard of things like sentinel surveillance, algorithmic social interventions, the Great Reset, or the Twitter files. You know, uh, in certain circles, these topics are more or less ubiquitous. I mean, we've been talking about it all year, you know, but the lag time for societal awareness is, is painfully slow. And in reality, there will always be some people who will never, ever know about sentinel surveillance or algorithmic social interventions, the Great Reset, etc., because Maybe a they're they're not interested. You know they're too busy. They're distracted. Uh, they they run in sheltered social circles. Uh, they're stuck in the liberal media echo chamber, or simply because the government does not want them to know. The information has been censored and ripped down and removed, which is why it's so important. And I appreciate each of you each and every time that you do share the torch report with everyone you know. But friends, I, I was blown away in talking, uh, having some conversations. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, there's a, hey, have you heard of that? The Great Reset, COVID-19, The Great Reset. No, I never heard of that. What's, you know, like, well, let me tell you about this book, you know, where they got it all mapped out. Have you heard about Event 201? No, what's that? Well, let me tell you about this event where they planned the whole pandemic in advance, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it seems like, again, you know, it's a frame of different frame of reference. Like, man, these should be really important issues. Everybody should understand what's driving all this political insanity. But again, not everybody knows everything, you know, just to state the obvious. So, you know, I'm, I'm focused over here and I see these things, the sentinel surveillance, the AI and all that uh, algorithmic social interventions. I'm trying to sound the alarm, but you know, there's what, what do I not know? You know, anyway, friends, it does seem throughout history that there have always been a few special people that seemed to have an extra special ability to predict the future. You know, a.k.a. the prophets. And, you know, we could talk about biblical prophecy. We could talk about a lot of, a lot of people have different ideas about prophecy. So, you know, bear with me here. While some people are quick to dismiss the idea that any person can actually peer into the future and perceive major events hundreds or even thousands of years in advance, other people would point out to, you know, would point to historical examples of this supernatural phenomenon such as Nostradamus, okay, Nostradamus, everybody's probably heard the name Nostradamus before, but then again, maybe not, you know, uh, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, you guys remember when the Encyclopedia Britannica was the sum of all knowledge and it fit on just a couple of bookshelves if you got the whole set, my grandparents had that set, it was cool, I mean, I spent hours just sitting there on my belly, laying on the rug, you know, going through, flipping through, learning about the whole world, anyway, Nostradamus, according to the Encyclopedia of Britannica, was the, quote, most widely read seer of the Renaissance, end quote. So circa the mid-1500s, Nostradamus was out there making all kinds of predictions. And according to many other sources, Nostradamus's predictions, uh, he, he, he accurately predicted the rise of Adolf Hitler, the atomic ending to World War II, the assassination of JFK, and even the 9-11 collapse of the World Trade Center. You know, so like, whoa, wait a minute. This guy was kind of onto something here. So given his proven track record, now the Jerusalem Post is predict is projecting that in 2023, according to Nostradamus's yet to be fulfilled predictions, there is, uh, you know, there's a slew of disturbing predictions that might come true this year. Says the Jerusalem Post that Nostradamus has predicted a failed economy that could lead to cannibalism. 
dried land that's going to get drier? How about forced casts of flooding? How about an off-planet disaster for Elon Musk? Uh, riots and revenge in the streets. Change on the British Isles. The Great War of 2023. They're saying that Nostradamus predicted this in the 1500s. And as always, I say, well, take it with a grain of salt. You recall that uh, toward the end of the year there, I had people, you know, message, you know, I got messages coming in from people saying, hey, you know, did you hear about this? Uh, it was basically, you know, the seventh trumpet's going to blow. It's going to be the end of the world. You know, uh, we're going to enter the tribulation, you know, it, it, like biblical prophecy stuff. And I was like, eh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Take it with a grain of salt. Pray about it, you know, but who knows, really, who knows? And there are plenty of people making predictions for 2023, and I just want to state, you know, I'm not one of them. In my mind, we are in the age of the unexpected. You know, think about it. Who, who'd have thought, who'd have thunk Tom Brady would still be making and breaking NFL records at age 45? The guy's just out there, you know, set the record for the most, you know, completed passes in a game. I mean, he's just blowing it up. It's, it's incredible. Who'd have thought that we'd still have over 100 political prisoners being held in the government gulag. You know, who, who would have thought that? You know, who would have thought that Joe Biden would be teaming up with Mitch McConnell to run an in-your-face economic victory lap in the deep red state of Kentucky? Who would have thought, you know? Talk about uh, backstabbing political establishment, you know. <laughs> you know, Mitch McConnell on a victory lap in Kentucky with the, for the green, you know, the Build Back Better and the uh, what do they call it? The Inflation Reduction Act and all that crap. Anyway, friends, I mean, it's it's no surprise when we see things like California launching a whole slew of new woke uh, legislation, including punishing doctors who challenge the narrative. You know, but who'd have thought that the Democrat governor of New York would actually legalize turning human bodies into compost? You know, as crazy as that sounds, New York is not alone. You know, according to sources, Washington state first legalized human composting in 2019. Well, nobody was paying attention. Hey, by the way, yeah, we could turn humans into compost, you know, and then Colorado and Oregon, Vermont and California, you know, these are all leftist states. They're all leftist states in bed with a global cabal. I mean, leave it to the collective cult to come up with such a great way to get rid of bodies. You know, hey, hey, you know, we'll just turn the humans into compost. Oh, you know, we got overpopulation. We don't need the majority of the human population, according to uh, the WEF. So, you know, wild-eyed conspiracy theorists might link this seemingly bizarre urge to, you know, legally turn humans into fertilizer uh, to the broader eugenesis agenda, noting that uh, over 50 years ago, as a matter of fact, there was a movie called Soylent Green that was released with the following prediction. This is really interesting to me. That movie was Soylent Green, uh, came out in in 70s, set in it. Uh, let me back up for just a second. here. The film Soylent Green was actually released back in 1973, but back in 1973, the, 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 the film itself was set in 2022, like looking ahead, future predictions. And it says set in 2022, there was no longer any room, any food, any sea life or any respect for human rights. Global warming was destroying everything. 
In 2022, a tiny oligarchy ruled over a population stripped of their basic humanity whose source of sustenance was reduced to tasteless crackers of Soylent Green, which famously was made of the processed corpses of people who had been euthanized. End quote. Okay, so over 50 years ago, you get this prediction that in the year 2022, there was going to be uh, people eating tasteless crackers of Soylent Green, which was the processed corpses of people who had been euthanized. Did we not see in 2022 the Canadian government legalizing euthanasia? you, you know, self-euthanasia. Like, oh, man, I just can't take it anymore. I'll just go in. The government will euthanize me for free. You know, how many people are going to volunteer to do that? Just like they volunteer to uh, donate their organs in China. You see what I'm saying here? Anyway, it, it's worth noting that this movie was driven by the hysteria that was created by the uh, book titled The Population Bomb, written by Stanford professor Paul Elrich back in 1968. And though the book was pseudoscientific uh, at best, you know, it's kind of a quack fringe, you know, mindset, it, it's been disproven and debunked so many times. Ultimately, the population bomb became a priceless source of propaganda that's been used to indoctrinate several generations uh, into the radical environmental movement. You know, now these quacks have become a dominant global force, which is just crazy to think about it. But it's the one agenda to rule them all. And not surprisingly, uh, Paul Elric is still a darling among the left. And quite ironically, you know, these regressive progressives seem to adore and adhere to their old rich white guys like Bill Clinton and Bernie and Joe Biden and, and Paul Elrich, which is probably why CNN trotted him out this last week to help boost their climate crisis narrative for the coming year. As maddening as it is, my friends, you think, how could these people still be validated? How could these people still be? You've been disproved. You write this book about the population bomb. You know, it's like Al Gore talking about polar bears. But here we are, you know, and he's still being trot, trotted out there to help validate and justify the radical environmentalist agenda being you know, rolled out across the world. And there, there's a little clip here in the article. It's about three minutes long. It's worth watching. It's maddening, but it's worth watching the propaganda for yourself so you can kind of, you know, glean some insight into the mindset that is currently driving global policies. But, you know, moving on beyond that, you know, calling this crap propaganda is itself, I'm sure, just a wild conspiracy. You know, it's it's this is the kind of stuff that gets propagated amongst the climate deniers. Anyone who knows anything at all knows that the science has long been settled by an internet national group of scientists, a.k.a. the experts and the experts and the science say uh, that that they would that, that we absolutely must forfeit our sovereignty that for the sake of collective the collective agenda to save the planet. You know, there is global consensus that we must we must forfeit our sovereignty for the sake of the collective agenda to save the planet. You know, you can read all about it, friends, if you doubt me. I don't know. You know, put it uh, put the link there. You can go straight to the U.N. You know, website and you can read about how if we don't enforce or implement the U.N. Sustainable Development Goals, then, uh, you know, we're all going to go the way of the polar bear population bomb. Boom. You know, it's the you know, we're almost to the point of no return. We got to take radical action and keep in mind at all times that this is what is driving policies from the global to the local level this is the one agenda to rule them all 
and the agenda is vast. And if you follow their various rabbit trails far enough, you're going to arrive at future Earth, which is the China-style model of a civil society, where you will own nothing, eat bugs, and be happy. Or else you might end up becoming compost, you know? We have to save the planet. We just have to. Luke, we got to save the planet. Think of the children, you know? And it's a damn good thing that we have radical environmentalist activists like Greta Thunberg out there making millions of dollars by pushing the global socialist surveillance states. <clears throat> I mean, the uh, the only stable and more equitable and just futures. You know, just look at her face. Again, another meme in the report here today. And it's Greta. And she's She's got this disgruntled and painful expression on her face, and she says, you've stolen my dreams in my childhood, stamping her feet and demanding action to prevent climate change, you know, the climate crisis. And underneath Greta, in the picture, there's a poor African boy hunched over in a box of dusty rocks. And he says, getting that cobalt for your electric car fast as I can, Greta. Getting that cobalt for you fast as I can, boss. You know, just to be fair, to the poor kid on the bottom in this meme. By the way, uh, the U.S. government's got his back. <laughs> no pun intended. Right? You know, they've got his back because the U.S. government has launched a combating child labor in the Democratic Republic of the Congo cobalt industry program. <laughs> and they call it Coteco. And this plan is about an 85-page plan. It outlines how the U.S. government plans to tap into the Congo's $24 trillion worth of precious minerals by spending millions of taxpayer dollars on bureaucratic oversight just to make sure that child labor like this no longer ends up in memes like the one we got here. You know, despite the fact that even the, uh, the liberal media has admitted to finding children mining for cobalt in the Congo, we really don't want to have to face the fact that in order to implement the radical global environmentalist agenda, that you know, we're going to have to use a whole lot more child labor. I don't know how else they're going to get it done by the year 2030. I just don't know. You know, so I'm so glad that Coteco is taking care of this because otherwise people might get the wrong idea and start thinking that this entire wacko environmental agenda was really all about money and power and the control of resources or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, friends, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a things aren't adding up and it's pretty damn obvious theorist. <laughs> That's another meme there. You see the meme, the beauty of the meme, the psychological warfare, friends. This is the first Monday of a brand new year. There are some pretty good predictions out there about which conspiracies are most likely to come true next year. Put a link there for your perusal. But rather than speculate, I'm going to just keep my finger on the pulse and watch the next circus act unfold. Friends, we are in the midst of a war for the control of humanity, and our thoughts and emotions are the battlefield. But the future is yet to be written, which is why I vow to you to present the truth that you can trust, not because I'm asking you to take my word for it, but because I present hours of research for you to dig into and develop your own informed perspective. Friends, this year, may we all vow to be vigilant, to be vivacious, and to be very earnestly engaged in making the world a better place. Friends, it's all hands on deck. The future is in our hands. And that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the great honor to take the time, find a little heart, click the heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this magical, mindful Monday, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh.